This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Oh man, you know how I guess when God's presence overwhelms me, you know, it's just, I was just in the back and I was hugging Pastor Nate because he, he got a great set list, you know, and, um, but that song of, I got joy and chaos, you know, that song, like he won't ever fail, like. I couldn't help but cry because God rem- reminded me how real this message that I have for you is. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Basketball, uh, benching, oh, steak, Spanish knives. That helped me cut. Yes. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, guys. I was just so overwhelmed because this message isn't just something I read and, and want to give to you, but it's something that I got a chance to walk out and, and impact in my life directly. And that song is my message because he does impact through generations. And uh, just to give you, just to spoil the ending for you, it ends with my dad. And if you know anything about my relationship with my earthly father, it's, it's been pretty tough, you know? Um, all the pastors here know, all the staff here know, because I've been in their office getting healing <laughs> for years. <laughs> the last two years has just been Father God bringing stuff up to the surface, and I have an opportunity to either suppress it and bring it down, or I have an opportunity to come and give it to him and say, God, what do you want to do with this? I want to thank you, Pastor Rebecca. I love you. This is, this is what she does every Monday when I'm... <laughs> sitting in her office and she's snapping, clapping and healing me. Um, but, but I'm there and, and it's so powerful because when things come up, we have the choice. We have the choice to say, God, I'm just going to shove it back down and we won't speak about it. Or I get a chance to say, hey, I think I'm going to believe in you for a second and give you this. What do you want to do with this? And he's a good father. And he meets us every time. And in exchange for the pain that we have, for the limitations we have, for the incompleteness we feel we have, he comes in and he gives us something that's so much better, so much more powerful. And it's not just for you. It's the ability for you to go and impact your family and your generation in Northern Virginia, especially when you're in the enemy's camp. So that's the reason I was crying. So before we go to where we need to go, I want to read Psalm 16 over you because God gave it to me. It says, preserve me, O God. Say, preserve me, God. Love this. For in you, I put my trust. Come on. Verse two. All my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, those are God's holy people. That's you. Say, that's me. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I love this part right here. Are you ready? You, you might not like it, but stay with me. Verse four, their sorrow shall be multiplied who has hastened after another God. Question for you real quick. We're just locating. We're checking. You're still loved. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. Do you have any other God in your life? Oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Say, I have a good inheritance. Love this. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Have you set the Lord always before you? Wow, one person. Good job. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. For you shall not leave my soul in hell. Can I get an amen on that one? Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Say, God, show me. And your presence is fullness of joy. Come on. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I think we sung about that, didn't we? So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, chapter 5, <laughs> chapter 6, chapter 7. But I won't read all that for you. I'll summarize there. Are you guys ready? It's one of my favorite ones because it paints such a powerful picture. So you already know at the end, something happens with my dad and I, which is very powerful. But the, the way the story started was here in 1 Samuel. I was in my office and I was meditating with God and I was doing what Psalm 16 said was, hey God, if there's anything that I've been putting my attention on more than you, please come and meet me right here, right now. I don't want this anymore. I want to get to that place where there's fullness of life. And so in that place, he was like, let's go to 1 Samuel and read a story because you love stories. So in 1 Samuel 
I thought the story was always about Samuel, but really the story is about the Ark of the Covenant. Say Ark of the Covenant. Another word was tabernacle. Another word is the thing or the box where God's presence actually dwells in, right? Does God dwell in you? That's pretty great, right? Okay, two of us. This right side right here, we're safe. I'm going to come over here. (laughs) Does God's presence dwell in you? Yes, that's so great. That's so powerful. So you are a form of a tabernacle, right? You are a little beautiful fleshy box where God's presence came in, lived inside of your heart. He cleaned you up. He made you right. He took away all your sins, past, present, future. And not only that, he came in and he said, I am here to live with you forever. I am here to direct your path. I'm here to introduce power in the world. Isn't that great? That's the God that lives in you, right? And so in this passage is really great because there's two priests and the the goal of a priest is to be able to communicate with God and say, God, what is your will? What do you want to do? And in that communication, he comes and he tells the rest of the people, which were his people, his, his Israelites. And he says, this is what God's will is. This is what he would like to do. But the problem with these priests were they wanted to keep everything for themselves. Man, and then I love this picture. Are you ready? They had something, uh, if you ever had Korean barbecue, it's a hot pot. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Hot pots are good, right? Hey, happy birthday. Um, hot pots are great, you know? And um, it's really cool because that's the way they used to give offerings to God, right? They'll come, they'll get the best piece of meat, sacrifices from people, they'll throw it in the hot pot. And what they're supposed to do is as it rises up, the best part of the meat is given to God. Does that make sense? What they were doing saying, all the meat is mine. And all the priests were saying, I'm just going to not talk about this. I won't go to God with this. I'm just going to grab it and keep it for myself. And we like to look at it and say, oh, I don't do that. <laughs> but we do. With any of your limitations, when they rise up and we go, God, I'd rather not give it to you. I'd rather hold it for myself. Guess what happens? You don't get a chance. You miss an opportunity to connect with this powerful, loving father who has a will and a purpose for you. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So what ended up happening was the priests are doing their own thing. So what happened to God's people? They didn't know what to do or where to go, when to fight, when to sleep, what to do. And the Philistines came and they started to attack. But since they didn't know what God's will was, they went in there and they were like, we're going to fight. And they started fighting and the Philistines were destroying them. And they lost one battle and they came back. They're like, we're going to regroup, come back. And they fought again the second time and he got destroyed again the second time. And then it's, 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 oh man. And then the third time they said, I know what happened. We forgot about God. We forgot about the covenant, the ark. So they ran over, they grabbed this thing, this ark, this box where God's presence was. And guess what they did? They grabbed it and they said, I'm going to lean to my own understanding. I know what to do. We're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant out to the battlefield and we're going to win. Does it sound like they had a, a, a relationship with God at that point? Does it sound like they said, hey, what does God want to do in this moment? No, instead they say, oh, this has worked before. This formula has worked before. Let's pick her up. Let's bring it over here and let's lay it in the battlefield without having a relationship with God, without talking to God and figuring out what he wants to do. Guess what happened? Well, first they got excited. They were like, yeah, we're going to win this fight, guys. Ah!" You know, got the war cry. And then they got destroyed, (laughs) demolished. 30,000 of God's people got destroyed that day. Tough, right? Man, any of you guys ever had 30,000 losses in your life? Any of you guys ever use God as a good luck charm? Yeah? Okay, yeah, I love you guys. You guys are so honest. Thank you so much. And so what happened was this. The enemy came, destroyed them, and they took the Ark of the Covenant. They took the thing that God was dwelling in, and they took it as a trophy, and they took it back to the enemy's camp. Say enemy's camp. So at the enemy's camp, they placed down the Ark of the Covenant, and they are mocking God and they place him in front of their God. And as they leave it, they went and they partied all night, but when they woke up the next day, they came to the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence dwelt next to their God, and they looked, and guess what their God, what happened to their God? It had been tipped over. 
on its face. That's pretty great. God's tabernacle was there. His presence was there. And when they came, they saw their God on its face. And they said, it's a coincidence. (laughs) How many of us have done that? Something good happens in our life. We're like, oh God, I want to sing to you. Ah, I don't know. It was a coincidence. The world just kind of did. It just happened that way. So what happened the next day? They put their God back up. They went to sleep. They came back the next day and God was like, I'll show you it was me. And their God was tipped over, but this time it was headless and its arms were ripped (laughs) and it was cut from its torso. Isn't that great? It just makes me feel good because God, they thought they had God captive, but really they were the captured. (laughs) They had brought God's overwhelming presence into enemy camp and it started to destroy their false idols and their gods and what they thought was the most important thing in the world. And God's presence manifested and destroyed this thing. Isn't that great? The best part was this. Remember, these are, these are God's enemies. These are the people that were against God. And as that happened, they were like, okay, he's destroyed. What do we do? We don't know what to do. So for seven months, they kept the Ark of the Covenant there because they had no idea what to do. When those seven months, while the Ark of the Covenant was an enemy camp, the enemy started to manifest tumors. Crazy tumors, literally coming out of their skin. Mice came and the black plague hit them. And they started to fall. It said that all their mighty warriors started to fall and started to die. And this is really interesting because the the Greek word for mice is mice. (laughs) It's the same thing. I wish I had something cool for you. But the Greek word, I mean, not the Greek word, the Hebrew word for, for, uh, for tumors is strongholds. Ain't that great? Oh man, I couldn't stop thinking about all the times that I've been exhausted and I've been tired and I've had no energy and I've been stressed. And then for whatever reason, it's manifesting in my tone and my, in my not washing dishes and being quick with my tongue. And I realized, wow, there's something, there's a stronghold inside of me that's causing a manifestation outwards and it's destroying people, but really it's destroying me. Anybody relate with that? Because there's a stronghold inside that God's presence wants to come in and destroy. You guys don't think that's, oh my gosh, like God comes in and he, he, he destroys our strongholds. God comes in and he destroys our idols. God comes in and destroys what we think is the more, more important thing. The thing that's been keeping us down and limiting us our whole life. God in the enemy's camp is able to manifest and, and, and come out and destroy those things. Isn't that great? So not only are we supposed to be victorious in church when we're singing or not singing, but we're supposed to be victorious when we're in enemy's camp. When we're in the enemy's camp is when strongholds fall down and idols get destroyed. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So I love this because Jesus then paints the picture. And if we go to John 8, right before John 8, I want to tell you because Jesus, this was a foreshadowing of what it was going to look like for Jesus to step into the enemy's camp. And so here comes Jesus. And we can all agree that Jesus is walking and the presence of God is with him and in him, right? Two of us can agree on that? Okay, good. So I love this. Right before John 8, John 7, Jesus is with his family and all his family starts telling him, can you stop being the Messiah? (laughs) Can you stop pretending that you're the Christ? Can you stop pretending that you're the son of God? You're embarrassing us. Anybody ever heard that before? You're embarrassing us. Stop this or we'll disown you. Anybody ever been disowned? And so His brothers came and his family came and they said, if you really are this son of God, let's go to a party and show your miracles. But we have a good priest because he said, I only do what, what I see and what I hear the father tell me to do. I only do the will of God. I don't do it to perform for you. There is no performance in me. I am already owned by the most loving God in the world. I don't need to be owned by you. If you would leave me, I'll still have this God whose presence dwells in me and destroys idols and destroys strongholds. And so guess what they did? They disowned him. 
and he went to this party. And, that's, and as they're there, his family is there. Jesus shows up on the scene because the father told him to. And as he's there, a commotion happened and there's people who were divided because they said, we do believe this is the Messiah. And others were like, this isn't the Messiah. And so there was chaos and they started to accuse Jesus at the end. Both parties started to accuse Jesus. You ever felt accused before? You ever felt like you were in enemy's camp before? So Jesus is in the enemy's camp right here. And they're saying, this is who you shouldn't be. Your identity isn't real. Who you say you are isn't real. You should look like us. You should look like the world. And at the end of the day, you know, in the army, I learned this. You always make your bed. Because at the end of the day, whether you slept in a six-foot hole and rain went all the way up to your chest, your boots got all messed up, and you got trench foot, and you haven't taken a shower in 21 days, after those 21 days, guess what? You get to go back to your house, and you get to sleep on the bed that you made. Isn't that great? Brings that comfort. Jesus didn't have that. It said that everybody went home to his own house. So if we go to John 8, right before that, it's John 7, 53, you don't have it. It says, and everyone went to his own house. But verse one says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Love this because Jesus went to his true home. He went to go be with his father. He went to go and say, God, people are saying I should be this or I shouldn't be this, but what do you say? And I won't leave this place until you tell me who I am. And to you come and you tell me what your will is. And to you come and you break any limitation that the world has tried to put on me, including family. You still with me? And so he's at Mount Olives and I love this part right here. Are you ready? This is how I know he got something from God. Verse two. Now, early in the morning, shout early in the morning. How many of you guys wake up early in the morning? Oh, good for you. You guys are champions. You guys are incredible. I love you guys. I only wake up early in the morning for the things that I love. One is work. <laughs> I always wake up for that. And basketball. I just love basketball. I wake up early in the morning and I go out there. I'm ready. I don't even need coffee. I'm ready to go. But you tell me to wash these dishes. I'm not going to wake up early in the morning. You give me a to-do list. I'm not waking up early in the morning. You still with me? But Jesus woke up early in the morning to go back to the temple. It says he came again into the temple, the same temple where he was being accused at, the same temple where he was being attacked from. He came back early in the morning. He was excited to go back to the temple. Have you been excited to go back to the place where you felt defeated? <sighs> Let's see what happens. He came again into the temple and all the people came to him. Are people coming to you or are people going away from you? That's okay. It's your limitations is you being able to connect with the father. You need your own Mount Olive right here. Where God comes and he's like, this is who you are. Even in the midst of the enemy's camp, this is who you are. And people come to you. Love this. And all the people came to him and he sat down. Y'all sat down. Guess who are the only people allowed to sit down in Jewish culture? The people in authority. So you guys are all in authority right now. <laughs> But when he was coming to teach to these people, he sat down. He was in a position of authority in the enemy's camp in the same place where he was being accused. He came back knowing who he is and who the father says he is with no limitations. And he sat in a place of authority and people came to him. Still with me. This is great because while he's in the enemy's camp, the enemies come and they say, we're going to trap you. Anybody ever feel trapped by people? Yeah, <laughs> the people come and they say, what are you going to do with this adulterous woman? Scripture says that we should stone her and kill her. What do you say? And if Jesus had answered wrong, they would have tried to stone and kill him as well with the woman. But Jesus knew his authority. He knew his power. He knew his identity. He had no limitations on him because he spent time with the father. So he sits down and he doesn't even speak. Instead, he kneels down and becomes face to face with this woman who's also an enemy camp. And what does he do? He fights the battle for her. And he turns to them with a beautiful revelation. And he says, you who has not sinned, throw the first stone. And what do they start doing? They start to drop their weapons. And they start to walk away one by one until the only person left is the woman 
in Jesus. And I love this because Jesus never looked at the woman and said, you're an adulteress. He didn't call them the same thing that the world called them. He looked at them and said, this isn't who you are. You are a woman. I'm bringing you back to your original design. So I'm going to say, don't sin anymore. Don't be separated from me. This isn't who you are. And I just want to read that for you. Are you guys still okay? He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Isn't that great? Love that. He spoke to her true self. She came and said, this is who you are. You're not the limitations that your mom put on you. You're not the limitations that your grandma put on you. You're not the limitations that society put on you. You're not the limitations that your accusers have put on you. You're a woman that no longer sins. That's who you are. But it happened when the Ark of the Covenant walked on enemy's ground, defeated the accusers in his way and restored this woman back to who she really was. Does that make sense? If we go to John 9, I'm just going to read the title for you. It says, Christ heals the blind man. I just got to read it for you. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither the man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, why it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. It's so powerful because even his boys, the guys he's been with the whole time, started to act like the rest of the accusers. They looked at this man and they said, what did he do wrong? How did he sin? There's a reason he's blind. He deserves it. (laughs) What are you going to do about it, Jesus? And Jesus comes and he says this part. I love it. He says, Jesus, neither this man nor his parents sin. I'm not looking at his sin, but the works of God that are going to be revealed in him. And I always thought about this and, and, and I, I was like, man, God, how come you're making people blind, making them born blind so you can look good? And God was like, no, 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 you're missing this. Jesus had a different perspective than we had. Jesus' perspective wasn't on the sin of his past generation. His perspective was on God's presence and God's will. So the way that he saw the blind man was the same way that Father God saw him, which was fully restored with his glory on him. Are you having God's perspective? Or are you using your limitations? Are you sounding like the world where you accuse people and judge people and belittle them? Or are you going to God and going, God, you're inside of me, even though I'm in the enemy's camp. What is your will? Oh, you see them this way? Help me destroy these idols, these strongholds. Start with me. Show me your will. And then the blind man can see. And so then Jesus comes. You already know the story. He spits on the ground. He makes some clay and he puts it on his eyes. And I love this because he sends them to a specific pool. And guess what the pool was called? Sent. S-E-N-T. So do you think God had a plan? What is God's plan in your life but you can't see because of your limitations? You guys still Okay. I love this because this was all in the enemy's camp. We go to uh, John 10. It's just the reason Jesus does this is because he's a good shepherd. Jesus does this because he loves us. I love this verse right here. I just want to read it to you. You don't have to put it up. It says, I laid down my life for the sheep. Are you a sheep? Then go, bah. Good job. I love this part too. 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Are you following God? Are you following him even when you feel some limitations rise up in front of you, inside of you? Verse, uh, chapter 11 is one of my favorites. It's the raising of Lazarus. Everybody knows this story. There was a dead man and God came in and he rose him up. But before he did that, he took time to come and hear God's perspective because God came and he said, he's not dead. He's only asleep. This good priest, the highest priest, was able to come and say, God, what is your will? How do you view this situation? Rather than the limits that the world was put in, he shows up and there's paid women who would come and mourn. They would come and say, we need to mourn. We need to pretend. 
That's what the law says. The law says we need to mourn. And when I don't feel it inside, I'm just going to pretend. So I need other pretenders to come with me. And I need other people to come and say, yeah, we should be sad right now. We should be crying right now. We should be mourning. But instead, we should look towards Jesus like Martha and Mary did. And he go, Jesus, they're limiting and saying that he's dead. But what do you say? And he said, I only see him asleep. If you give me and grant me permission here in the enemy's territory where there is death, I can come in and raise him from the dead. And what did Jesus do? Shout it out. He raised it from the dead. (laughs) Does that make sense? Okay, so those pictures are really powerful because John, all of those, John 8, 9, 10, 11, all of those are Jesus showing up in front of accusers, in front of the world, letting the, 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 the glory of God come through and changing his environment. Still good? Okay, so as I was reading this, I was like, all right, God, like, what's the point of all this? This is a great story. This is really great. How do I apply this in my life? Like, how do I actually do this? And God was like, did you miss the whole point of this? He's saying, I live inside of you. John 8, 9, 10, 11, I'm inside of you. My presence is inside of you. So yeah, you can cry in church, but, 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 but what about when you go into the enemy's territory? Are you showing up and letting my glory show up? Or are you looking at your limitations and going to yourself and going to your flesh and going, I am limited here. There's nothing that we can do except cry. And so I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go for Christmas to go see my dad. And, uh, and I learned from Jesus and not to do with the priest. And I was like, God, what's your will? What do you want to do here? And he said, go get your dad some banchan. And if you know banchan, it's fried chicken. It's so good. Uh, very expensive, $4 a wing. And they also charge you $5 for the sauce. It's crazy. It's a ripoff. Luckily, I turned to God and I was like, God, he's like, I'm your provider. <laughs> Don't worry about the price. This is on me. I said, thank you, Lord. I love you. And that Sunday, someone came and gave me $60, which is exactly the same. Anyways, God is good. He loves us. So I came. I got this banchan wing. I'm driving in my father-in-law's truck. I'm like, this is right. I need this. My boots match this truck. I'm ready. And as we were driving to the place, God was like, do you know where you're going? And I said, yeah, the GPS, it tells me. I know the address by heart. And he said, you're going back to the enemy's camp. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? And he was like, your dad, you know your dad. He has left everything the same in his house. The couch is the same, the rug is the same, the table is the same, everything's the same in his house. And I said, okay, God, what about it? He was like, you forgot, and that makes me happy. He was like, this is where you contemplated suicide. This is where you were depressed. This is where your mom left your dad. This is where you experienced the most toxic environment ever. This is the place that you were begging to pray to get out of. And you're going back there and everything looks the same. And I said, okay, God, what do you want to do? He said, look inside and think about all the years you spent breaking every limitation that this house could have put on you. And I couldn't help but start thinking God. And I pulled into that house and the grass is still dead. (laughs) That tree hasn't moved. (laughs) And I walk, got my bonchon wings. And I was like, God, how how do you want to do this? And he said, Every time you feel some kind of limitation, your flesh jumps and you're like, I want to go this way. Choose me. Go in. Be like Jesus. Say, Jesus, what do you want to do here? What does your glory say? What does your presence say? And be yourself. Be like me at Mount Olive. I give you your identity, not anything in this house, especially not your earthly father. And I go, yes, God. (laughs) I walk in, knock on the door, and it's my dad. And I was like, I brought you some wings. And he goes, "Ah, I don't really like these. First trigger, and I was like, it's not about him. It's about what God wanted me to do. And then he tells him, he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I could have jumped, right? I could have been like, oh, you owe me $60. <laughs> Plus the saws. And I tipped the man. All right, so, but instead, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't about my trigger. It's not about my fledge. I don't judge. I don't criticize. I do what the father tells me to do. So I came and I said, I brought you, it's okay. We can get something else. I brought this to, sh- to share a meal with you, dad. And he said, well, the reason I don't like it is because your mom used to buy it all the time. And I got sick and tired of it. I was like, oh, it reminds you of my mama. Okay. I get that. Sounds like a limitation. All inside. And I was like, God, what do you want to do? He was like, share a meal with your dad. And I was like, dad, I can go somewhere else. He was like, no, let's just try it. He he, he actually said this. He's like, let's sit down for dinner again. I haven't done this in a while. He cared more about the dinner than his own limitation. 
of his divorce, right? Okay, so we go, we sit down, we're eating wings, and I'm just being myself, just being my true self. I'm not trying to yell and preach the gospel to him. I'm not trying to tell him how much he hurt me. I'm not trying to share all my encounters with God's love and how he was removed from my generational family lineage, you know, all that fun spiritual stuff that God did in my heart. I'm not, I'm just eating my wings, doing what the will of the father was, which was to eat this will, I mean, to eat this uh, chicken wing. And so as I'm there, my dad starts to unfold his whole life from the time he was six all the way to him coming to the United States. And he told me his whole upbringing which I was so glad because then I understood the reason those limitations that he had came into my life because their limitations that he had were brought to him by the limitations of his father and his grandfather and great-grandfather. Isn't that great? Brought so much clarity. I was like, this makes sense. And he was like, I'm going to share one thing with you because I still have a little bit of time. Are you guys bored? Okay, so he, he, he used to say this phrase to me and I hated it. It actually made me afraid to uh, do anything new. He would come and he's like, I'm only going to show you one time, so pay attention. And I am so scared to miss what he's doing that I miss what he's doing. The first thing was like checking my oil. How many of you know how to check your oil? You guys are incredible. I didn't learn until like I was 21 and my wife was like, you going to check the oil? I was like, we're supposed to do that? <laughs> so I come and, I was, and then he said it. He's like, I'm going to tell you what my granddad used to tell me. And I was like, yeah, Pop, what is it? He said, I'm only going to show you once. And I was like, that's where you got it from. You're not this evil man. <laughs> this father had limitations and he brought them on to you. But I have a greater father who tells me you can try over and over again. You know what? Rather than being living in fear, let's look up a YouTube video. Rather than living in fear, let's go to this mechanic. Rather than living in fear, I'm going to give you exactly what you need just to check your oil. So if he cares about my oil, what is he doing with my heart? What is he doing with my finances? What is he doing in my marriage? But if I look at my limitations and where I'm at, then that's all I'm going to be is the limitations. But if I'm willing to bring it in that hot pot, bring it out and say, God, what is your will? I'm giving you the sacrifice. And a part that I missed was the way that they started to move the tabernacle, the Philistines out of the camp was they had to come and they had to carve images, the tumors, they had to carve on images because that's all they had in the mice. They had to carve on images and they dipped them in gold because it was valuable. And they grabbed the sacrifice, which was the strongholds and the mice and the plagues of their life. And they said, we're going to put it next to the tabernacle. Even though you're not my God, I seen what you can do. I'm gonna give you a chance. And they came and they put their sacrifice and the plague was gone and the tumors were removed. And that's what we get to do. We get to bring our valuable, what we, with a thing that has brought value into our life without us even knowing, we get a chance to bring that out and give it to God. And it looks like pictures, <laughs> looks like memories, looks like thoughts. And so I'm sitting there because I took care of my sacrifices. I can just listen to my father and not be moved. And as we keep talking, we slowly transition into the couch. And I'll tell you what, as I was looking around, everything was exactly the same. I was like, there's that couch. That's where I had to sleep for eight months while my mom didn't want to be in the same bed as my dad. And I couldn't stand to see my mom on that couch because I knew she had to go to work hard. So I let her take my bed and I slept on that couch to the point that I sunk it. <laughs> My dad had to put two by fours at the bottom to keep it up. Anybody ever do that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but that couch could have moved me. I could have been like, that's where I was a part of helping in the divorce. This is where I enabled. But it didn't move me. I said, that's just a couch with two by fours. It doesn't move me. God, what is your will? What is your glory? What do you want to do? It doesn't move me. It doesn't define me. What do you want to do? And then I walked by the mirror, with every, the same mirror that I would walk by the hallway every time I was going to the bathroom. And I would look in this mirror and I would just remember how much I hated myself. I look at this mirror and I say, you're ugly. You're horrible. You're angry. Nobody's going to love you. And I would look at this mirror and just say the worst things about myself. And so God came in and he was like, why are you talking to my beloved son that way? That's not who you are. When you look in that mirror, you should see me. You should see my glory. You should see my power. But it's because I brought that memory and that limitation <laughs> to God. And I was set free from that. So I walked past that mirror because you have to, to use the bathroom and I can't hold, you know, I got to use the bathroom, right? So I walked by that mirror and I look and I'm like, you don't define me anymore, mirror. When I look at you, I see a man that has God's glory inside. And I used the bathroom, I came back out. And then he sat on that two by four couch 
And right before I sat down, I saw the room where my brother lives in now. And I remember all the toxic conversations I had with my girlfriend there and how I made her my God and my idol and all the threats that I would give to her if she would ever leave me and the threats she would give to me if I ever left her. And I'm looking at this, which eventually led to super dark, horrible thoughts. And as I'm looking at this room, right before I sat down with my dad, I said, you were the first stronghold that God destroyed. And he destroyed it when I was worshiping one day and someone was speaking about the God of love. And I went and I said, I don't want this life to you, God. And he came and he met me and he filled me with his presence and his power. And that stronghold was destroyed forevermore. And I'm looking at this room and I'm like, you have no power and no authority over me because there's a greater power living inside of me. And his name is Jesus. His name is Father God. His name is Holy Spirit. He is my God. If he was with the Israel, if he was in his camp manifesting, what are you doing here, God? What do you want to do? And I sat down and I just relaxed. <laughs> and my dad looks at me and he says, and I felt, this is really cool. I felt God's presence come in. And I said, well, I'm acknowledging you, God. I feel something. I feel a move. It feels different than these attacks. And for whatever reason, it feels peaceful. It feels like love. It feels like a warm hug. And I said, God, I see you. You're here. And I just stayed quiet. And I just, I, just, I just went in to my heart. And I was like, God's glory is here. What do you want to do? And the minute that I said yes, my dad by himself started to tell me how he's been. I can't share the whole thing because of pastor confidentiality. I love in case he watches this too, you know. But, but I just want to share my encounter with him. Is that okay? Okay, so he came and he, he, he by himself starts telling me. He's like, hey, I've been having these blackout visions. And I was like, what do you mean, Pop? He was like... Every time I'm driving to work, I vision goes black to the point that I can't drive and I have to pull over until I start sweating profusely and I feel like I can't breathe. And I was like, man, that sounds like a panic attack to me. And he's like, I feel so limited is what he keeps saying. He's like, I can't put two and two together. I go to work and I'm like, what's the point of being here? What am I doing here? And so he gets in his car and he goes and he leaves work because of this limitation. And he's just sharing all this to me. And before I can jump and say, I know what you need to do. I have an idea. I said, yes, I'm, uh, okay, you're not crazy. I get it. Keep talking. God's presence is here. I know it. This is all inside of myself. I stayed quiet just like Jesus did when he was with the adulterous woman. Stayed quiet. Kneeled down. Paid attention to God and what he wanted to do. And he starts revealing more. And as, as he keeps talking about his life, I have another conversation going with the Holy Spirit. And he says he's under an immense amount of stress. Ask him if he's stressed. And I was like, God, that sounds so silly, but you're the God of more. You're the God of glory. You know what you're doing. You destroyed the tumors and the idols. Here we go. And I said, Dad, are you under a lot of stress? And he looked at me and he was like, you have no idea. And there's a Spanish thing where it says, oh, oh, over here, I'm all the way here with stress. In Spanish, it sounds a lot worse. Like when you say, hey, um, you got me over here. It's like, you got to run away. Okay, anyway, so he's like, I'm all the way over here with stress. And I was like, man, he was like to the point that I have something called rosacea. And it was so funny because I was reading this book about certain diseases that happen because of the internal battle inside of us that then manifests. And the reason I got there was because first Samuel was like, man, like how come these people are manifesting tumors? And the book was like, well, tumors can come from this place where you have a stronghold inside of yourself and you hate yourself, right? Right below it was rosacea. And I was like, God, like what's up with rosacea? Like he just kept highlighting it and highlighting it. And I was like, God, this is, I don't know anybody with rosacea. I don't have rosacea. Why am I reading this? And it just kept highlighting and highlighting and highlighting. And here I am with my dad and it came back. And it was like, hey, rosacea, the reason it comes is because of self-hatred and self-condemnation. And I was like, dad, can I just ask you a question? And he said, yeah. And I said, look, but when I ask you this, I'm not your son. <laughs> when I ask you this, I'm God's beloved son. When I ask you this question, I'm just, you know, I can say I'm Pastor Rafa, but really I'm just my true self. You can choose not to ask us and I won't be hurt. But I just want to ask you, is that okay? He looked at me and he said, yes. And I was like, look, I love to do this, okay? So, so, so just entertain me. And I said, do you struggle with self-hatred and self-condemnation? 
Oh, and so, you know, this is all in Spanish. I don't even know how these words were coming out. I don't know how to say self-hatred and self-condemnation in English. I mean, in Spanish. And so, and so I'm telling this to my dad and my dad comes and he's like tears in his eyes. And he's like, you have no idea. I can't even answer that question. I have so much self-hatred. I can't even answer that question. And I'm like, I know what we can do, God. Pop, I was like, but it requires God. Oh, and I didn't give you the, the, the whole context for it. My dad is like borderline atheist. <laughs> he doesn't believe in God. <laughs> so I look at him and I'm like, hey, Pop, like, um, it's going to require God, <laughs> but I know God can close this door. Are you willing to give him a try? And he said, I have to. I'm desperate. I have to. And I said, go ahead. He said, I'm desperate. I have to. And I look at him and I'm like, okay, well, let's see who comes to you. Holy Spirit, Jesus, or God. And whatever way they want to show up to you today, you let them, okay? Because he lives in me and I know this is what he wants to do. He told me to come here. Kind of reminds me of the man with the pool of sent. God sent me here with Monchon and his glory. <laughs> so here I am. I know he's going to show up. And by himself, he did this position. Are you guys ready? You guys know this position. He didn't go to Christian 101 school. He didn't go to none of that. Nobody said, all right, close your eyes, put your hands out. He by himself, he just whoop. And I said, God's glory is here. Here we go, Lord. Let's see what happens, God. And I said, okay, who comes? Who's showing up? And he, I was like, is it Jesus? Oh, I know it's Jesus. And I was like, shh, shh, wait, wait, God's will. He, he needs to fight, figure it out by himself. Just stay quiet, kneel down, worship God. Wait for the right timing. And he was like, no, not Jesus. Uh, no, not Holy Spirit. And he says this word, are you ready? He said, God is here. And he's talking to me. And I was like, don't mess this up. <laughs> stay quiet. And he says, his, he told me he's the God of peace. My dad, by himself, own conversation, him and God. I ain't say nothing. I just asked him one question. Do you want God to come? God can close that door. And he said, the God of peace is speaking to me. And this is the part I can't share with you. He was like, but he wants me to go back to a time where it originated. The root happened. That limitation happened. And I said, would you allow the God of peace to do this? And he said, he, yes. <laughs> and he stays and he has this conversation with God and he lets go of that moment that has been haunting him for 12 years. And those, that, that, that door that was open has brought lung problems to him, pneumonia to him, his, his mom and his dad, he can't cope. Depression came in through that door. And so many things came through that specific door that was open. And the only one that was able to come in and close that door was the same God that came on enemy grounds and destroyed God's enemies, destroyed the strongholds, destroyed the idols. The same God that walked the earth and said, I'm here to heal the blind. I'm here to raise the dead. And I am here to restore you back to your original design. That same God, my dad is meeting in the enemy ground where they try to take my life. But because I dealt with my limitations, because I didn't make it about me. I made it about the God that I serve. He came in and met someone that I love and changed his life forever. Oh my God. Like, I, I do you not believe in God? Like, these aren't just stories that we read in the Bible. He's real. He's alive. He paints pictures for us so we can relate with him. So when we, this moment comes, we can say, God, I read about this. I'm an enemy camp. What do you want to do? I want to restore your dad back to his original design. And so as soon as he was out, he closed that door. He was like, man, Jesus is the Lord. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. I was like, don't mess this up. Don't make it a big deal. This is good for you. And I said, okay, if Jesus is Lord, what does he want you to do? He's like, he told me to maintain this, to hold on to this. This is real. And I was like, man, you're talking to God clearer than me right now, man. That's so good. On this broken two by four where I slept. Where I rested. My dad met the God of peace. Because I didn't make it about me, but I made it about what God wanted to do. And uh, I hugged him, told him how much I loved him. And I told him that, hey, thanks for talking to me. And he was like, thank, thank me, thank you. <laughs> You brought this bonchon wing. 
You restored me. Like I literally looked at his face and when we were eating wings, he looked exhausted. He looked done. He looked wrinkled and like life had come and just beat him down for 12 years. And as soon as he was out, as soon as he stopped talking to the God of peace and he restored him because the lie that he was believing was I have to start all over. But the truth is I get to start all over. The 12 years don't define me. And my dad opened his eyes and his eyes had this light of the world inside of him. It sparkled greater than any Christmas tree, anything Christmas light that was there. And they're just sparkling. They're full of life. And his face is red again. And it's full of not rosacea, but full of life again. The wrinkles were gone. And he just looked like a brand new creation. Oh, I don't have my watch. Okay, 11.15. Okay, are you guys okay? So I want to give you guys an opportunity <laughs> to meet this God. And for you, I got to take this off, I'm sorry, um, for the sound guy. I just want you guys to be able to meet the same God that my dad met, the same God that I met, and even the same God that the Philistines met. And it's this God that destroys strongholds and idols in your life, limitations in your life. The thing is this, we're going to do two things here. Actually, I want to invite you to three things. The first one is an individual one right now as a congregation together, okay? You're going to close your eyes and you're going to meet with God. The second one is this, something that I've learned in my walk is you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You have to partner with people whose only agenda is for you to connect with the Father of this universe that wants to break limitations in your life. So we're gonna have staff up here. We're also gonna have prayer warriors up here. And you're just gonna come with whatever you feel, whatever limitation you feel that came up to you. And you have this choice to either stuff it back down and hold on to it, or you have a choice to bring it out and sacrifice it with God. Does that make sense? The third thing I wanna invite you to is to be connected to us, to the staff, to the pastors, to come in and do exactly what I did for two and a half years which was come and say, hey, I can't deal with this anymore. What are your thoughts? And I would sit in every single person's office and just lay my heart out. And every time they would bring me to a place where I would meet God. But it started in encounters like this on a Sunday where I got an opportunity to be together with everybody and have my connection with God. But during the week, I didn't lose it. I maintained it because I was connected to people who love God. Does this make sense? So the invitation is this week, reach out to the office and set any kind of appointment, whether it's a sozo or whether you want to come and just talk to us, do any of that during the week. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say is that we're open for connection. And at the end of the day, even if you have no limitations, we just want to get to know you better. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, let's bring it back to this moment right here. The way I want to end that story in 1 Samuel is this. The Israelites did nothing. The Israelites stayed at their camp with what they had. And Father God, the God full of glory and power, fought the battle on their behalf and destroyed way more than 30,000 people, 30,000 enemies. So this isn't about you and what you can do in your capacity, how much scripture you've read, how long you know God. It's not about you. Stay in your camp. Keep flesh in its camp. And flesh, real quick, is this. Is anything that causes you to analyze, critique, or judge. This is right. This is wrong. We're just going to shut that down for a bit. We're going to leave that in its camp. And we're going to tap into the presence of God that lives inside of you. The one that's ready to take down strongholds and idols in your life. Is that okay? Okay, close your eyes for me. Father God, thank you that you fight battles on our behalf. And you call them our victory. And you call them our testimonies. And today, God, we just want to give you an opportunity to connect with you. Be able to connect with you to destroy any kind of limitation, big or small, in our life. We give you an opportunity to address whatever you want to address in our life. And we won't criticize it. We won't analyze it. We'll just let you unfold the same way that my dad just unfolded his life in front of me. I'm just going to let him unfold. So, Father God, we just thank you for here. We thank you that your presence is here, your glory is here, that this was your idea, that this is 
your people's pool of scent, <laughs> S-E-N-T. You sent them here. You brought them here. And you're here to restore their eyesight and break any limitation. Change their name from beggar to a man who can see again. You're here to change them from any kind of condemnation and guilt to a full restoration person who sins no more, who is never disconnected. And you're here to raise whatever has been dead in our life back to life. So Father, what do you want to reveal inside of us? Whatever that is, don't criticize it, judge it. Just say, Father, what would you want to do with this? I'm willing to sacrifice it to you. I'm willing to give it to you. Just let him do what he needs to do. You say, Father, I've heard that you're a good God. So what do you give me in return for this limitation? Whatever he gives you, don't judge it, criticize it, or analyze it. Just let it be. This is your Mount Olive right now. This is where he speaks to your identity. This is where he speaks to your heart. This is where he brings you to a place of authority. This is where you lay your head down. And this is where the accusers go home. Just thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. So stay in this place, but we're going to call up pastors and staff and prayer people just come up here come up here to the to the front and i want you to move if if you're here to pray for people i want you to move like god lives inside of you i want you to move like there's a god inside of you and he's ready to change whoever comes before him and i thank you god thank you god for whoever comes up with any limitation And they don't care who's around them or what's surrounding them. They just care about being face-to-face with you and breaking this limitation. So if there's anything you're dealing with, any kind of disease, any kind of sickness, anything that you're like, I can't keep living with this anymore, I want you to come up and lay it down. I want you to come and sacrifice it. I want you to come and be brave and bold and let go of it. So we just thank you, God. We love you. You're so good. You're a good father. So what we're going to do is we're all just going to stand together. So let's stand together as one. And the beautiful thing is that there's a God that deserves worship. So even if you're like, ah, I'm too scared to go up, let's let's just, we're going to turn the music up and we're just going to get a chance to worship. And we're going to get a chance to let go and sing to our God. And if anything comes up, come up here. This is about you and being free. Thank you, Jesus.